Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14, where the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. Yeah, doing church a little bit different for, for me as we work together. Toronto, we're at Castlefield Avenue, just like, I don't know, 100 meters off of Young Street. And um, if, if, well, the main intersection, Young and Eglinton, if you know Toronto, if it isn't already, it will be the busiest pedestrian intersection in all of Canada in the next little while. And um, the church we're in, it's a great old building, but it's, it's in a great place. We're in a great location. And um, Pastor Carl's dad, my wife's our grandfather and my wife's grandfather pastored in the Toronto area. And they moved the church into where we are now. Uh, Pastor Carl Sr. pastored there. And so I just think to, to connect together and say, let's do something significant there is, is really great. So we're excited about it. We're really excited about it. Amen? That's great. <laughs> it's a little different because everybody's quiet at Castlefield. So we have to change that, all right? Yeah. I'm, tr <laughs> I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to do that. So let's just... Pray real quick, all right, just for a moment. So, Heavenly Father, we lift up the Toronto Raptors to you in the name of Jesus. Rasi Baba. Come on, Lord. Yes, Lord, in Jesus' name, be with them. In Jesus' name. Father, I think of that song, Faithful You Are. Faithful forever you will be. Wow, that right there, I could have just rested right there, Lord. That was a great rest. Our confidence and our rest is in that, that you are just so faithful. And we thank you for that. And we ask that you would just bless your word to our hearts. Help us to, to take in what we need to and apply what we need to. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, we're going to read some verses out of Proverbs 31. And I'm reading from the, the NLT. Um, only reason is, as Pastor Carl said, I went to a Billy Graham meeting in 1978. That's where I got saved. Maple Leaf Gardens. And um, so I was recently in Charlotte, North Carolina, went into the Billy Graham Museum. And for no other reason, this looked like a great Bible. And I said, I think I'll try it. So that's why I'm reading it. But this is an advertising. If you're ever through there, I'm telling take an hour and go to the Billy Graham. The presentation is absolutely amazing. And to see what that man probably preached to more people than anybody in history except for maybe on TV and internet, but live. And so when we think about it, that's pretty cool. So anyway, we're going to verse 10, Mother's Day. We'll mention that in a moment. But um, ladies, just you know, put your seatbelt on. It's okay. Don't get worried here. Proverbs 31, woman. And the title it gives you in, in uh, the NLT is A Wife of Noble Character. Who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her and she will greatly enrich his life. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She finds wool and flax and busily spins it. 
She is like a merchant's ship bringing her food from afar. She gets up before dawn to prepare breakfast for her household and plan the day's work for her servant girls. She goes to inspect a field and buys it with her earnings. She plants a vineyard. She is energetic and strong, a hard worker. She makes sure her dealings are profitable. Her lamp burns late into the night. Her hands are busy spinning thread, her fingers twisting fiber. She extends a helping hand to the poor and opens her arms to the needy. She has no fear of winter for her household, for everyone has warm clothes. She makes her own bedspreads. She dresses in fine linen and purple gowns. Her husband is well known at the city gates where he sits with the other civic leaders. She makes belted linen garments and sashes to sell the merchants. She is clothed with strength and dignity, and she laughs without fear of the future. That's a great verse, isn't it? When she speaks, her words are wise, and she gives instruction with kindness. She carefully watches everything in her household and suffers nothing from laziness. Her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Reward her for all she has done. Let her deeds publicly declare her praise. Well, I have a slide here of um, all the, I guess, all the traits that are, that uh, this proverb goes through. And I'll read through them. It says that you habitually involved in meaningful activity, provides clothes for her family, provides food for her family, dresses well, supervises the household, business ability, understands money, financially prosperous, trustworthy, considerate, charitable, tirelessly dependable, wise in speech, honest, energetic, not lazy. And you can go and look at different commentaries and they may have different traits in there, a little bit here or there, but that is quite a list to live up to, am I right? Man. So ladies, happy Mother's Day. And um, in a kind of intro, I have to say that I've never actually ever preached from Proverbs 31. I just thought that um, wasn't sure I was walking in this stuff, and so I don't know if I got the authority to even speak on that. But isn't it interesting, on Mother's Day... Today, there's probably churches all over the world throwing up this list and say, okay, now ladies, measure up. So I did, some, I, I sent out a text um, a couple of weeks ago, about a week and a half ago, and Carl, Pastor Carl said, oh, let's look at Proverbs 31. So I uh, sent out a text to my daughters and said, read this passage and give me a response. And I honestly thought they would come back very much overwhelmed. And maybe some of you are here today, not just ladies, but men, you're feeling overwhelmed by a list like that, that how do, we, how do we live up to something like this? And in actual fact, they didn't seem that overwhelmed. How many daughters? Uh, five. five. Yeah. I only asked the four that were married and are mothers. I should have asked the youngest too. But anyway, I said, well, how do you, how do you feel about that? And they, they weren't really all that overwhelmed. And, 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 you know, I read different commentaries and say that no woman can match up to that. And then I started to think, you know what? I don't know if that's true. Because I know women. My mother, you, you could have met my mother. You could have met my wife's mother. You could have met Auntie Sheila, Pastor Carl's money. Many, many of you know her here. 
You could meet my wife. You could meet Pastor Cheryl. I think these are ladies that do this. And the point is, it's not about getting every one of these lists right. Because if you're a lady here and say, I don't sew, and I don't wake up early in the morning, I like to sleep till nine, it's not that it's, that's not a problem. What it is, is I think verse 30 is the key to this, to this proverb for, for ladies, if you're looking at it that way. It says, charm is deceitful and beauty is fleeting, but the woman who fears the Lord will be praised. Amen. See, the point is, it's not about the list that you follow. It's the spirit, the heart, the motivation that is in the person that's what's important. And so my wife might not be able to sew my button on real tight. And she would say, do it yourself anyway. That's a good thing. (laughs) But the point is, she fears the Lord. Meaning what? Meaning that her life is to honor God. That's That's all it really means. Honor God with your life. So women, moms, just honor God with being a wife, being a mother. And even if you don't get it, all 15 of these traits, right? It's okay because your motivation, your spirit is there and they see it and they know it. And so I wanted to just uh, get that out of the way. You know, it's, it's really difficult to, um, to think about these things when we move into understanding this passage and we're going to now relate it in a moment to the church. But I want you to see that A couple of things. We see that there are women, first of all, before we go into looking at the Proverbs 31 woman as the church, we see in Scripture that not all the women that God used was perfect. And they made huge impacts to the world. We have have Sarah. Sarah laughed at God's promise. Right? We have Rahab. We have Mary Magdalene. You can go on. And then we look at today in the church. You have single women, married women, you have moms, you have older women, younger women, all impacting the world for Christ. And so I would just want to say that because it's Mother's Day, I wanted to at least highlight that, that you're awesome. And God is continuing to use not just women, of course. Why do we have to kind of separate it? It's all the same, men, women. God's just calling people to do his stuff. And we should be looking at the same heart, the same motivation. The men should as the ladies. Fear the Lord. Honor the Lord with your life. And so the reason why we're looking at Proverbs 31, I was told by Zach that uh, I know you're reading through the Bible, different places. So at first, when I looked, I said, okay, you guys are doing Psalms. I'll, I'll do something out of Psalms. Sounds good. And then we thought, oh, no, Zach, Zach says, okay, Proverbs 31, it's jumping ahead to your July 3rd reading. Right. And as I said, when, when they said, okay, we're going to do this and relate it to the church, I was like, oh, wow, I've never preached out of this before, as I said and so how are we going to look, look at it? Well, I have a picture here for a moment. Can you get that picture up there? What, what do you see? Do you see an old woman or do you see a young woman? How many can see both? Okay, how many, put your hand, how many can see a young woman? How many see an old woman? Some of you aren't putting up your hand either. You're not seeing anything. It's like, how many see both? 
The point of it is, is this, is that we can look at a passage of scripture and there can be different levels. There can be different messages out of the same passage. I do not doubt that the, the, the author was, is, is talking to someone about looking for a wife that has these kinds of traits. But we can also look at it in a different light and say that we can, we can look at this as a prophetic word of the church. And when we look at that, that there's different ways. You think of the, you think in the Old Testament, you read of so many heroes in the Old Testament, Moses and David and, and so on. And, 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 and we learn from those characters when we study them. But I've always been taught in, in, in theology class that the hero of the Bible is always God. <laughs> so even though you can learn something that I'm studying about David, at the same time, I can be learning something about God and how he relates to, to that person and how that applies to my life. So in a way, we're doing the exact same thing with this passage. If you say, no, I can't see the church, this is pointing to the church, we can see that it's a prophetic word. And let me help you, I guess, get there. <laughs> so we're looking at Proverbs 31 woman in a different way. But before we kind of begin to unpack those 22 verses, um, we have to see that, first of all, it tells us that this, this proverb is addressed to King Lemuel. And um, he is taking advice. It says this is advice that his mother taught him. So this is a king, the first nine verses. Basically, the mom is just saying, you be careful. There's three things you need to be careful about. Wine, women, and wealth. Basically saying you indulge in too much of any one of those. And that could take you down. <laughs> Some people believe that this is actually Bathsheba speaking to Solomon. And then he didn't, he didn't follow her advice when he was younger. I believe Ecclesiastes shows that he came back. But um, So they have that. But then the next part is simply that she is saying, here is what I want you to choose for a wife. And she's given advice to the kind of woman that, that he should choose. Now, when we're looking at that this is the body of Christ, then we have to look and say, can we honestly say that the church is the bride of Christ? And I think we can. Of course, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5, 25 to 33, and it's, it's the, the, you know, that's the central passage, I think, in the New Testament that points to Christ. Uh, and his church, and saying that, that, that that's his, his wife. And the key words are, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Yes. So, and it's in the context that Paul is writing about marriage. And so some of you might be sitting there and say, well, that's the list for wives. What's the big list for men? There's only one. Do you know what it is? Husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. So it's in that context that Paul is saying Christ loved his wife, Christ loved the church so much that he gave himself up for her. That's a demonstration of the greatest love there is. Yes. So we see right from, from that passage that, that we know the church is Christ's wife. That's what Paul talks about. And in, it, it goes on to tell us in... Um, in the Gospels, all four Gospels talk about Jesus as being the bridegroom. Yeah. We have this that we've seen in, 
in uh, Ephesians. We also, 2 Corinthians 11.2, specifically, again, identifies the church as Christ's bride. And then we know in, in Revelation chapter 19 that at, at the end, at the, at the consummation in which the marriage feast occurs, we know that it's talking about the church is the bride of Christ. Right. So understanding that the church is the wife of Christ, the bride of Christ, now we can take a look at Proverbs 31 woman and see what it talks about and what we can learn about the relationship of, of Christ and his church. Yes. So we're going to look at, as I said, it's, it's the title that the NLT gives it is a woman of noble character. But I'm going to suggest to you that uh, the word that I've used is a woman of valor. And we're looking at the church of valor. Yeah. And when we understand, when we look at this, this proverb, these from chapter, from verse 10 until 31, it's, it's actually a poem and it's, it's an acrostic. So what that means is in this poem, it's a literary form where the first word or the first letter of the, the Hebrew alphabet starts off verse 10. And it goes through consecutively all through the alphabet to the last letter of the alphabet in verse 31. And so each verse emphasizes a particular word. So I'm not going to go through every verse. We're only going to look at, at, at three things. But when we, when we look at verse 1 to start off, who can find a virtuous and capable wife? The word that they're talking about is, is woman. So you're asking, what kind is, is she virtuous? Is she, is she noble? What, what is it? And the context and the, the, the actual the study of the word comes up with the word valor. And I think that that's important because then we understand what the, what the church is. And there's, it's used 251 times in the Old Testament. And this word for valor, we see it in different places. We see it with, with Moses. You remember when Moses' father-in-law comes to him and says, it's not right for you to have all the weight of judging everybody. You need to select people that are of valor. Men of valor. And it goes on to talk that, that they're not interested in personal gain. They're not interested. In, they're, they're, they're men of, of, of good wisdom. They're, 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 they're people that have integrity. And that's where it starts. And then you go to someone like Ruth. And if you know the story of, of Ruth, Ruth, of course, is following her mother-in-law, Naomi, and going with her. And, and, and she comes to, to Boaz. And we all know the story. That's the kinsman redeemer. They come together. And I think, what a beautiful picture that is itself. Yeah. Our kinsman redeemer taking Ruth as his wife. And so when you think of a woman of valor, we can think of, of Ruth, that the church is like that. Yeah. And knowing that, that, that Ruth was faithful and kind and fearing God and had integrity, he says to her, you're a woman of valor. And so when we see that, we understand that's what the church is of noble character. And so I use, I use it as saying that we're talking about a woman of valor today. And the second part of that, of that verse, you know, it, it tells us that we are more precious than rubies, more precious than jewels. Isn't that amazing that 
the church. How many things, how many things in the world are more precious than jewels? I think people are, but you know what I'm saying? That, 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 you know, material things, what's more precious? He says the church is. And so, you know, I, I had never preached on this. I thought, where am I going to go? But I thought afterwards doing this, this is such a good exercise to understand how awesome and precious the church truly is as, as, the bride, as the bride of Christ. And the first thing that I want us to see is that the woman of valor, the church of valor, is trustworthy. And that's the next verse. It says in verse 11, her husband can trust her and she will greatly enrich his life. And we see here that um, he is in, or she is enriching his life because she is trustworthy. And the big question is this, how does her trustworthiness enrich Jesus? How does the church enrich Jesus' life? And I, and, and I think that when we think about trusting somebody, I mean, I know this, I've been married for 40 years. This is our, we'll be married 41 years this, this December. 41, yeah, yeah. And there is no question that I absolutely trust her like 100, it's not 99.9, trust her 100%. And because it, when, when we look at the church, I believe that Jesus is exactly that way. He trusts the church 100%. And some of you can be here going, I don't know if I trust the church 100%. But let's, let, let's dig in just for a second here. How does the church enrich Jesus? Well, when we, when we come to um, you know, Acts chapter 4, verses 8 to 12. I want to look there real quickly. So Peter is before the Sanhedrin. He's before the, the, uh, the rulers and the elders of, of the people. And first of all, I want you to see that he talks about Jesus being the foundation. He's the foundation stone. And, and it, it goes on. It says that the stone that you, you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And in, and in 1 Peter chapter 2, he talks about, about Jesus being the foundation. So what you have to see, one of the reasons that he trusts his wife absolutely because he's the foundation of her. He's given her everything that she needs to grow up to be all that she needs to be. And I think that the church, I think that the church is that. And so Jesus, or, or the church, we carry out the mission of Jesus. That's what he said in the Great Commission. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now go and preach the gospel right? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. And, and so he says, I'll be with you to the very end of the age. And we, we know in, in the gospel of Luke, it says in Luke 24, 49, and now I will send you the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power. And then we go to Acts chapter eight. You have to understand that Acts is, is, is part of, it's just volume two of the same book. Right. So if you understand the Gospel of Luke, Luke is writing to his friend Theophilus and says, I want to tell you all about what Jesus began to do. 
and how he went about in, in all his ministry. And then in Acts chapter, uh, in Acts chapter 1, he just says, I, I want to continue to write about the work that Jesus is doing, but now through his church. And so we see the connection from Luke 24 to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Wait in Jerusalem until you've been, you receive power from on high and you'll be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So that is Christ, his commissioning, his instructions to his wife. And when we look by the end of the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul is in Rome and he is at the center of the political, the most powerful place in the world. And he is already there witnessing to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. See, the thing is, he completely trusts his wife because the church is doing what Christ has called her to do. Amen. The fact is, because she is trustworthy, because she is faithful, because of, of her character, he knows he knows that she will accomplish what he's called her to do. That's an awesome, I think that is an awesome, awesome thing. I may have missed just one thing here. Let me look. No, it's in the next section. So, the next one is this. The Church of Valor does. The word that is emphasized in that one is just this word does. And when we look at verse 12... Get all the way back here. It says she brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. And it's this word bring, but the idea of, of, of does or is doing. And so the church of valor does. And the he word word, again, that is, it's, it's emphasized not by me, but by the author. So what we get here is that this woman doesn't just sit around waiting and hoping that something good would happen. <laughs> she, she does. She gets out and she makes things happen. And I would say that this is of the truth of the church. The church doesn't just wait around waiting for something good to happen. I believe the church all over the world, the bride of Christ, is making good things happen everywhere. Everywhere they are making, the church is making good things happen. Jesus, we know, well, let me, it's Acts 10.38 says this. Specific, it specifically states that Jesus went about doing good. Yeah. It says that, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Jesus anointed the church with the Holy Spirit. Wow. He's actually given us everything that we need to get the job done. Yeah. And so we can ask the big question, how does the church do good to Jesus? Matthew 25, 31 to 46 says, says that Jesus is discussing in this discourse about his return. And he says, when the king returns, he will separate the sheep from the goats. The sheep will be on his right hand, the goats on his left hand. And then he will turn to the sheep and say, and, and, and say that uh, you inherit now the kingdom of earth. And he goes down in verse 35 and 36, and he says, For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And the disciples, Jesus goes on to say, they will ask him, When did we do that for you, Lord? 
And he said, every time you did it to the least of one of these, you have done it to me. The church is doing great stuff. And so what the church does in the world today, they do it for Jesus. What this church does in this community, in this city, you're doing it to Jesus. And the church today, I believe, see, people can put the church down, but I believe the church is walking out, verse 12, all over the world. Verse 18 of, of, of this uh, Proverbs 31, it says this, she makes sure her dealings are profitable. Her lamp burns late into the night. In other translations, the NIV says she sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. She sees, the word is perceives. She perceives that there's, that there's something good that is going on. And it's actually the same word that is used in Psalm 34, 18. Test and see that the Lord is good. Amen. See, I, I, I believe it. Like she's experiencing the profitable thing that is going on. She sees that the, what I'm doing is profitable. She experiences it. When, when we're out doing things for Christ, you experience yeah. it. You do. I mean, you know that yeah. Holy Spirit is with you and you're experiencing him even as you're going out. The work she is doing is profitable. It's worth doing. Church, the work we do is profitable and it is, it is worth doing. Yeah. And I think it's easy for us to see here that her light never goes out. Amen. Um, just recently, just recently, I, I think it was the last service of, of last year. I think that was December the 30th. And we had a young lady come into our church and I was announcing we're having water baptism in, in, in two weeks and never met this young lady before. Comes up and says, I want to be water baptized. And find out she had just recently come to the Lord and never gone to church, but she walked into our church and says, now I want, to be, uh, I want to be water baptized. So as time went on, she invited a friend of hers. And this friend came just before Easter. I think he's been three or four times on a Sunday. And, you know, just kind of greeted him, didn't get to know him. And, and he asked me if I, he could meet with me this week. So I met with him. And this is how he introduced himself. He said, I'm, I'm a secular Jew. I guess, okay. And what he was saying is, he said that, so he says, I don't know if I'm at the place where I believe that Jesus is the son of God yet. But he said, when I was invited to come here, he said, I sat down and he said, I was closed off. I just felt, no, no, I'm closed off. And he said, as soon as the music started, something hit me. He said, I'd never felt that before. Never, ever, ever before. And he said, I was, I was open. And the reason that he decided to come is because he saw this woman that he knows that how people in the church came alongside her and helped her and ministered to her. And so after talking to him, he said, I, I, I don't know, I'm not there yet. He says, I believe I'm going to get there. But he says, whatever you people have, he says, I want it. So we can get bogged down with so many things. But as I sat there going, that's why we do this. It's worth what we do. What the church does is, 
is worth it. And that's why we don't stop. That's why our lamp, our lamp doesn't go out. And, and we know that, that, you know, this can be applied to the church. In John chapter one, he tells us that Jesus became a human. He lived among us. John, and it says in verse four and five, in him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. And Matthew 5 tells us the, the church of valor says that you are salt and you are light. And, and then I love verse 16. It says that, that uh, the good that we deal out, that's what the word means, that, 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 that she perceives her work. It's dealing something out. It's giving something out. And we're giving it to the Lord. And it says the good that we, that we give it out, verse 16, shines out for all to see and will praise our heavenly Father. <laughs> what the church does in the world, in communities like this all over the world, is bringing glory to our heavenly Father. It's an amazing thing. And so the church of valor, oh, you know, we need to hear. You need to hear today that what you do is profitable. It's worth it. And I'd say this on this Mother's Day. You say, man, I don't match up to those, to those 15 uh, traits. What you do is worth it. It's yeah. profitable. Good. It's important. Amen? Amen? All right. The last one. Church of Valor represents where I put respects. Respects the Lord. Verse 23. And it says this. Her husband is well known at the city gates where he sits with the other civic leaders. And the Hebrew word here is he's known. Yada, to, to, to be known. And he, he, he sits with other civic, civic leaders. The, the, in, in that time, the city gates was, was where they would assemble and, and deal with business and, and you know, legal transactions and, and important announcements and political things that were going on. That's where they would meet. And he would meet there with other civic leaders and, and, and he was known. And it's showing that he had, he had respect there. So then the big question of this point as well is, why is this verse included in her traits? Because it doesn't talk about her being known at the city gates, but in a roundabout way, I think she is. Yeah. But why is it that, that he's the one that is, that is known at the city gates? Why, why does that have to do with her? And I think it is because of that his reputation and who he is and where he is plays a role in how she operated with people that she met, whether it's her children, her servant girls, the work that she does, the way that she does work with integrity, business with integrity and, 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 and kindness to people because she knew that her husband is known at the city gates. Right. And the point of this if it is that she's carrying his name. We carry our bridegroom's name, Jesus. See, people in this community, in this city, they may know the name of Jesus, but they may not know him. But they know this, we represent him. And it's by them getting to know us makes them decide how much more they want to get to know Jesus. I was so blessed to think just the way people, I was so well greeted in this place today when I walked in. Is it Caitlin? Is that? Oh, man, she just greeted us like we were, she didn't know that I was coming to speak. She just thought I was a regular person coming in. Greeted us like, wow, that's awesome. And then to have this, this man come and see me and go, whatever you people got, I, I want. Yeah. 
We're representing. Isn't that the way to do it? Yeah. If see, if I could rap like Pastor Carl, I would have done a rapper. We're representing. Um, so it, it, that's, that is what's, what's going on. And I think it's clear that the church plays a very big role in how Christ is represented and respected and known in the places of importance in the city. And so this brings us to our concluding thoughts. And I just wrote this down from a, uh, somebody named Kevin Harney who wrote this out. He says, we as Christians realize that effective outreach is based on love for God and that also means loving our communities enough to sacrifice. But he goes on to say, but that we also need to recognize a joy-filled love for the church. Because he says, if we who are in the church don't have a joy-filled love for the church, why would anybody want to love our bridegroom? It is so important that we have a proper perspective. And so what? We don't talk about the church as a bride. Not very often. We don't talk about the church as a wife. But we are. We are Christ's bride. We are his, his wife. And, and we should love the bride. Yes the way that Jesus does. I mean, picture this. You've probably, probably been here for a wedding before and you're sitting down and the doors are closed and all of a sudden the doors open up, the music starts, right? And it's the wedding march and you look back and, and there's the bride in her wedding gown standing at the door and then all of a sudden the procession starts and, and part way up and, and then all of a sudden somebody in the congregation points at the bride and says, look at those shoes, they're ugly. They don't even go with the dress. And then another man hits his wife and goes, well, man, she's gained weight since the last time I saw her. And, and on and on, criticizing the bride. That, that, that seems like a ridiculous scenario. But when it comes to the church, that's what people do. Inside the church and outside the church. Man, don't diss the bride of Christ. Because the, the, the bride of Christ is representing. The bride of Christ is reaching people. The, the, the bride of Christ is, is doing things that enriches Jesus Christ. It's an amazing thing. And so we mentioned I became a Christian back in 1978. The church I walked into was the church I'm pastoring right now, Castlefield Church. Do you know what my experiences was? The guy with long hair and, you know, being like any other teenagers back in the 70s, messing up, doing all that stuff. I walked in and met people who loved me, people who encouraged me, people who kept me accountable in discipleship, people that were there for me. And oh man, the church was awesome and amazing. Yeah. And since then, I've been in ministry for a lot of years as well and been with Pastor Carl. We visited churches, not only in Canada, we visited churches in different parts of the world. And I can tell you this, that every church I've gone into, I meet faithful right. men and women right. who love God, right. fear the Lord, yeah. reaching people with everything they have. Oh. They're hungry for God. The church is an awesome, yeah. awesome Amen. place. See, and some people say, well, that's not the, that's not the exception. I disagree. True. It, is, it is the exception. Man, I think, I, I, have you ever heard of a man named Bob Goff? Some of you have read his books, Love Does. Think about this, because we're talking about representing and being known at the city gates. 
This guy's a lawyer. He's an American. And he, um, he found out about in Uganda that there were witch doctors that steal children. And nobody will prosecute them because they're afraid. So what he did is he went there and he went to one of the government officials and said, I'll prosecute them. He's a Christian. And uh, so they, they let him do it. And so he started prosecuting witch doctors. But he says nobody ever, ever talked to the witch doctors. And so he gathered some of them. And he said, what is it that you, that you need? And they said, well, first of all, we're pretty lonely. <laughs> he says the people want us when they want us to, you know, do some kind of a ritual so that they can buy a house or something. But he says nobody would hang out with us. And the biggest thing that we need is we need to learn to read. So he brought them in. He opened a school, began to teach them, began to, began to teach them to read and, 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 and infiltrate. And get, many of them began to get saved. And now those that were maybe a part of seeing children being stolen are catching the other ones and stopping them from doing that. And this man in the U.S., he flies a Uganda flag in the front of his house and his house is, is considered like the embassy because of the influence that he has in you, Uganda. See, the church represents and it is doing, doing great things. And so on this Mother's Day, as, as we honor our, our mothers today, we honor our wives today. Why not take time to honor the bride of Christ? Honor the church for all that she does in the world. Another book, I'll just, I can't even remember the name of it. I tried to find it on my shelf. Probably lent it to somebody and never got it back. <laughs> Brian Stiller was the, the president of Tyndale Bible College. Yeah. And um, so when I saw his book, I said, I've, I've got to read this. And even though uh, Tyndale's, I wouldn't say he's a Pentecostal Bible college by any means, but Brian Stiller was, is a Pentecostal. And he's, he said, what is the thing that has changed the continent of Africa the most in the last 100 years? And he came up and said, it's the church. But he said, this is interesting. He said, but it's not only the church. He said, it's, it's Pentecost. He believes that Pentecost made a huge difference. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and went about doing, doing good, healing the sick, casting out devils, raising the dead. He said, Pentecostal missionaries in the last hundred years have gone there, casting out demons, healing the sick, raising, raising people from the dead, opening up schools, opening up hospitals, and doing all of that. And that is the thing that has changed the continent of Africa the most in 100 years. Church is an awesome place. And so that's the bride of Christ. So um, I'll hand this over to Carl, but let's just pray. Let me just pray with you. So Heavenly Father, we just thank you for, for, for this word today. God, we thank you that we're, we're in the church, that, that we've been adopted into the family of God. And, and today, Lord, we want to we wanna honor the church, Lord. We honor the church for all that the church has done throughout the last 2,000 years and, and what it will continue to do, Lord. God, may we continue to, to represent our Savior, our, our, our groom, to the best that we can. I thank you for Impact Church. I thank you for the way they represent their husband, Jesus, in this community. And Father, that we can hear it through the testimonies and the way we're even greeted as we come through the door. We thank you for that. And we honor this local church today. And God, we just, we just call into being all the plans, all the, all, all the destiny that you have for this house, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen.
Amen. Here comes the church. Come on, stand up with me. Stand up. Would you do something with me? I just want to give us one opportunity. If I could get those who are going to minister at the altar today, we always want to have an opportunity for prayer. If you're ministering at the altar today, please, would you, you come? And But would everybody pray? Everybody pray. Why don't you all praying right now? Just bow your heads and why don't you all praying right now? You know, maybe you're here today, you came in, it was Mother's Day, or maybe you came with mom, maybe you took a wrong turn, maybe you thought it was the gym, I don't know, but you wandered in, and and just somehow, right now, you're feeling like, uh, you know, that testimony of that person Tim talked about, he said, wow, I walked in here as soon as the music started, something happened in my life, something happened, something, something happened in here, I got touched by a living God, that living God loves you, he loves you deeply, right now. You know, I just don't, I don't want to let you go without an opportunity to become a part of the family of God, to become a part of the church of Jesus Christ. And if you've never accepted that he's your Lord and your Savior, if you've never said, Jesus, I receive you, and receiving you means forgiveness of sins, liberty, health, life, strength, I embrace it all. If you've never had a chance to do that, I want you to do it today. And if that's you, I'm going to count to three. I'm just going to go one, two, three. That's what I'm going to do. And when I get to three, put up your hand really high so I can see it. Are you ready? One, two, three. Just put your hand up so I can see it. Anywhere, right across the building. Anyone. Anyone. All right. Well, the altars are open. If you need prayer, please come. I mean, Violet Musundeka did, and it changed her life. There's people who've come, and they've been prayed for. Ears have been opened. Lives have been touched. Prophetic words, revelations, things that will help you. A new car. I see a new car in your driveway. I mean, God's ready to do things. So if you need ministry, the altar's open. Let me bless you. Father, thank you. Thank you for Pastor Tim and Pam. Thank you for the word today. Thank you for the blessing that's been spoken over us, our lives in this house. Thank you for moms. Thank you for fabulous wives. And thank you for the incredible revelation that we are the bride of Christ. Here comes the bride. Here comes the bride. Father, I bless this house. Now I bless each and every one in your name. I bless them now in the wonderful revelation of the love of a great Father, Heavenly Father. Let that love sink deeply in. I thank you for the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that wraps and surrounds us. And I thank you for the revelation of the partnership of the Holy Spirit with us now, cloaking us, wrapping us, surrounding us, taking us to be missionaries every place we go. I bless this house. I bless each and every one. I bless the word. Let it bear fruit in each of our hearts. We thank you for it now. In Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, amen.